0: are going to be starting the book of Daniel. We finished uh, Romans last week, and that was quite the journey. But here we are um, in Daniel. So Daniel's in the Old Testament. We want you to follow along. If you don't know where to find it, there's a couple easy ways. If you are on our um, email newsletter list, you would have gotten an email from me this morning that uh, gives you a hyperlink to that chapter, and you can um, download that. By the way, I would encourage you, I also sent out earlier this week uh, a kind of a cartooned overview of the book of Daniel that kind of helps really put it in perspective so I don't have to spend as much time giving you kind of a history lesson because I, if I recall in my own schooling that history was something that would put you to sleep, right? <laughs> so I don't want to do that this morning, So, but I do want you to get that information. So if you are not getting our newsletters, please just go to our website and subscribe to our newsletter. Just scroll down to the bottom of that front page and it says subscribe. That way you'll get the information and stay up to date. Well, the book of Daniel, though, is um, it's an interesting book because it is uh, prophetic in nature. It's also uh, apocalyptic, which is kind of talking about end-time stuff. And then it weaves into this whole interesting thing of how do you navigate as a person in a culture, as in a place that is very contrary or very contradictory to um, a person of faith in the very place they're living. Daniel, who was actually brought out of uh, Judah, um, the kingdom of Israel was split into Israel and Judah, but um, Daniel, who was in Judah, uh, Babylon seized um, Judah and Daniel went um, to live there, well, not by choice. We're gonna get into that a little bit more, but I think before we jump into Daniel chapter one, I am going to read the whole chapter. Uh, maybe I'll do that and then I'll kind of piece it apart, but there's a couple of things that I want you to think about, a couple of questions that we're gonna to address today. Um, how do you lose your freedom? Is one question we're gonna address. The other thing is, how do you negotiate? when your belief is being challenged so i think there's two ways that we can do this we can either resist and we can fight or there's a negotiation i think daniel showed us how to negotiate when your faith is being challenged that's the second question and then the third question is how to find god's favor in life because daniel was found god's favor and he, there's some keys in there for us so that's what we're going to address today but let's read daniel chapter 1 Um, together. In the third year in the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And I guess maybe I'll give you some little interjection as we go along. The king Jehoiakim was actually um, the king of Judah, and um, he Was had an alliance with Egypt first, and by the way, Babylon is modern-day Iraq. Just so you can kind of geographically put uh, where the context of the story is, this historical account. Jehoiakim actually had an alliance with Egypt, and then when Babylon took over Egypt and no longer was a superpower, Jehoiakim decided that he was going to have an alliance with Babylon. But then, uh, unfortunately, he got a little bit too big for his britches and started rebelling against Babylon, and um, he, in essence, Babylon came in and sieged the, uh, the city, the area. And, and the interesting thing is, though, the siege, you have to look at, um, it's not necessarily like everybody got wiped out. Um, they were plundered. The temple was plundered. Actually, this is how Daniel and his friends were taken. They took the best of that region and brought it to Babylon. Um, But Jehoiakim, um, this is talking about how do you lose your freedom, is you start um, rebelling against God. And the interesting thing is, when you you read in the Kings, um, the book of Kings, you'll talk about who is a good king, who is a bad king, who is righteous in God's eyes and who wasn't. And Jehoiakim was known as not being a good king. Whenever you turn your back on God and whenever you start living selfishly uh, and even your heart of rebellion, your freedoms will be taken away. And sure enough, Babylon comes in. The interesting thing, Jehoiakim gets sent back. I'm going to love you back story here, but sent back to Judah um, to be king again. But all he was, was a king, a vassal king. A vassal king really means is you are serving on behalf of somebody else. You're, so here's the history lesson that I didn't want to go into. But, but here it is. See, like he's serving Babylon now. So he doesn't have a lot of authority. Carrying on. So, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. It's interesting that the Lord did that the Lord did that, with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, which is really another name for Babylon, uh, to the house of his God and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Aspenaz, the chief of the eunuch, to bring some of the people to, out of Israel, both of the royal family, which Daniel was, and the nobility, youth without blemish of good appearance and skill, full of wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, and learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans, or the Chaldeans. The king assigned them daily portions of the food that the king ate and the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel... Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs, by the way, a eunuch is a male who has been castrated, so he has no desires, right? They're safe people to be amongst uh, the royal house amongst the women, right? So the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Belshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach, and Ezra, he called Abednego. So here we go, the introduction of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So here it is that Daniel is taken and his friends. He is already a uh, sharp person, right? But he's young. Taken to be educated in the ways of the Babylonian Empire, which was, by the way, a very evil and very worldly city. Um, again, modern-day Iraq. You can still see the ruins of, of Babylon. It is actually just um, south of Kuwait. And um, here they are. The king wants to basically give them everything that they have, buying them into their culture, right, enculturating them. All right. This is important to know. Now here we are, verse 8. But Daniel resolved. Can you say that word, Resolved. Resolved. I'm going to go back to that important word. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with a king's food or with a wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor. Can you say that word favor? Favor. And compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned uh, your food and drink. For why should he see that you were the worst condition than the youth um, who are of your age so you would um, endanger my head to the king? Basically saying, I got to do what the king says. I want to make sure that I fatten you up and you look so good. Otherwise, I'm going to be in trouble. Then Daniel said to the steward from the chief of the eunuchs who had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, test your servant for 10 days, Daniel said, let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. I am not advocating for vegetarianism here. (laughs) That is not the pathway to God's favor. I'm not saying for you vegetarians are saying, yes, it is. All right. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youth who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this manner and he tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youth who ate the king's foods. Interesting. So the steward took away their food and wine and they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Coming up to finish this little part here. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom from Daniel, had understanding in all visions and dreams at the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought before them Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, found, uh, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore, they stood before the king, and in every manner of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them to be ten times that of all the magicians, the enchanters that were in his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. So concludes chapter one. So the questions we asked, um, how does your freedom get taken from you. We addressed that one already. We see the the freedoms get taken when you start turning your heart from God like King Jehoiakim did and started a heart of rebellion and it always leads to your freedom being taken. I, I saw this interesting quote. Worldly saints do not capture the world. Worldly saints don't capture the world but instead become the world's captives. In other words, when we start living for the world, the world actually enslaves us. So how do we lose our freedom? We start saying the world has more to offer than what God has. And it'll happen time and time again. And I'm talking to each one of us. By the way, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I can get a little pressure on this foot now. And I don't have a cast on. Praise Jesus. Ah. Uh. I have a miracle story to tell you, but I don't have time this morning. But it was a miracle took place in my leg. And thank you for all those people who are praying for me. So that's how we lose our freedom, is when we begin to live for the world and not live for God. But the next question we said is, how do you negotiate when our beliefs are challenged? And here comes Daniel into a very worldly corrupt system, very Babylon evil very um, sensual, very worldly. And Daniel, who is now being raised up in this system, still chooses, and we're going to get into all this, these chapters and forward. It's the Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel in the furnace, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel in these, these places where he's going to lose his life. And yet he holds himself in deep conviction and care about his relationship with God. He starts by saying, I do not want to, and here's the word, Daniel resolved. Can you say that word again? Resolved. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food. What have you resolved in your life? That you're not going to defile yourself with the things of this world in our culture. Have you made up your mind what those are? Have you drawn some lines to saying, you know what, if I go down this path, I just know that I'm going to lose something in my relationship with God. Daniel early on resolved, and the interesting thing, when he resolved to not defile himself with a king's food, he had to negotiate how he was going to do that. I love Daniel's wisdom. I think the wisdom that he gives is the wisdom that we can learn from in an age that we know it, right? I'm not going to go political here, although this story is a very political story. Of Daniel, who is becoming um, a a really high official in Babylon. And he's learning how to navigate the politics and a culture that's so contrary to the way that God had designed the world to look, and systems to work, and societies to work. Talking about how community works, I'm just gonna do a little side shout out to the men's group, to the men's life group who came to my house yesterday. Who stacked wood, who picked apples, who dug potatoes, um, and a few of their wives and a few guys that came along for the ride. And the pile of work that was done in a matter of three hours was incredible. Men's group, you guys are incredible. Can you give it up for the men? I'm just thinking that's how a community actually functions when there's needs in the family, right? They all kind of like it's the old barn raising days I felt like. It was so amazing. I just I almost got a little emotional yesterday to seeing all these guys doing this amazing work, and um, my family was so blessed. so thank you. But I know it's not just us. We're not just the recipients, so many people around our church family, and but it's a it's a it's a testament, though, to be involved in community. If you're not in community, I really would encourage you to be in a group. It's not only a place that you can serve in, but it's a place that you receive the blessing yourself when you're in need. So here's Daniel. Okay, so he's he's functioning in this very worldly system, and uh, yet he's having to negotiate how to not take on the things of this kingdom or Babylon, this city of the world that would defile him. And I think many ways we have to make those decisions ourselves. First of all, we have to resolve what we're not going to do. And then we have to negotiate how we're going to have that conversation. And I think Daniel is so wise and we can learn from that. Daniel asked the question, and he proposed that, that instead of him holding up picket signs, instead of him resisting the governmental authorities, <laughs> the, the officials, he found a way to negotiate where he was still able to do what God was calling him to do and still have favor in the sight of the very people that he was called to be with. Like we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world, the Bible says, right? So how do we stay in the world but not get defiled by the things of the world. And Daniel gives us a great way. He says, you got to negotiate it. Daniel says, tell you what, how about I don't take on all the king's rich food and wine and we just eat vegetables and we'll see who's who's really in charge here. (laughs) And interesting, they they agreed to it, right? So he was looking for agreement. And I, I would say today, we should not be looking for disagreement. We should be looking for agreement in our society today. We should be looking for places that we can negotiate and say, can we come to a place of agreement? And he goes there, and and interestingly enough, God provided that miracle by looking after him, and that he was actually in better condition, in better shape than, um, than those who were eating the rich foods of the society. And I'd like to say this, the best of the world does not compare to the best of God. Can I just say that? come on. Here we go. You can clap for that one. The best of the world does not compare to the best of God. And and I say, when you resolve to not take on certain things of the world, and then you ask for God's wisdom to know how to negotiate that, God gets the glory, and he shows that God supersedes all the things of the world, and, and all the rich foods, and all the education that was supposed to be like, to make Daniel who he was, God made Daniel who he is, right? So my last thing is like, how do you win God's favor? That was the other word, right? So then God in verse nine, and God gave Daniel favor. And we said that word, you can say it, favor. How do we have God's favor? Well, God's favor is found when we reject the things of the world We choose to put God before the things of the world. When we choose to say, you know what, uh, the things of the world don't interest me as much as the things of God interest me. And God then works in your life, giving you wisdom and knowledge and knowing how to negotiate this culture, and it keeps you in a place where God continues to be championed, Jesus continues to be championed, God's favor is seen through your life. Time and time again, Daniel, when the king saw Daniel and he was wiser, 10 times, the Bible says wiser, 10 times greater than all the other ones who had the riches of the world and the greatest education, and in Daniel's life, he received God's favor, And it superseded everybody else by 10 times. God's ways are greater than the world's ways. You want God's favor in your life, I would say put God first in all things of your life. Do not compromise. I'm not saying get legalistic. I'm not saying find a bunch of rules and say I'm gonna follow a bunch of rules. I'm saying get tight with God. Get tight with Jesus. Build that relationship. Know what the Spirit of God is saying. Be faithful to that. And don't give in to, to the trickery of the world. Because, remember, worldly saints do not, get cap, do not capture the world, but instead become the world's victims. Your freedom gets taken away. Don't get so worldly. Be in the world, but not of the world. Be salt and light in this world, as Jesus says. Put your faith in action like Bridget's house of hope. I'm so encouraged by the start of Daniel chapter one. And in closing, I just want to remind you, be resolved on some things that you're not going to partake in in this world because it will only entrap you. It will take away your freedoms. It will not give you the the blessing and the favor that God desires for you. I would say, understand that the best of this world does not compare to the best of God. And when we begin to say that, then then the best of God is found where? It's found in his word. It's found by spending time with him. It's found by serving one another in a church community, a place of faith. That's why yesterday I was just like, this is the church in action when I saw people loving on people and serving one another. That's why I say even today for your generosity to, to support Bridges House of Hope, that's your faith in action. And you're saying, you know what? God cares about women who have been mistreated, who've been taken advantage of, who are caught in situations where they feel entrapped and enslaved and there's somebody and says, we're going to get you out. We're going to provide a safe place for you. Is that not the gospel of saying, I'm going to to get you out of the darkness of the world and put you in a safe place? And the safe place for us as followers of Jesus is first and foremost, our relationship with Jesus. That's how we get our sins forgiven. That's how we get joined into the family of God. And that's how he says we can have a relationship with our Father in heaven. All right. That's it, Daniel chapter one. Hold on for Daniel chapter two next week. We're starting to understand that Daniel was a man that, that, who is so in love with God, so committed to God, when we start unpacking the rest of these chapters, you'll begin to understand why he can interpret dreams. You'll have, begin to understand the, why he's able to give the insights. But that's just not for Daniel, that's for you and I today as well. By the power of the Holy Spirit. We need that level of insight today. We need that level of discernment today in our world. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today and you're watching this from home or on the road. We just want to say thank you for tuning in and maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, then this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device. We wanna say, invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community. Gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching.